The Q Affair While some similarities to living people may exist in your mind on reading this novel, it is a work of fiction, so it's your problem if you have people like this in your life. Chapter 2 First, briefly, let's talk about me and what I was up to in YouTube in the autumn of 2017. I remember that one of my interests at the time was artificial intelligence, AI, and I was avidly reading books and online articles, as well as looking at videos on YouTube and other sites about the topic. There didn't seem to be a huge amount on the subject, and many of the videos that came up in my recommended feeds alongside whatever latest video I had unearthed, were a rehash of the little I already had found out on the topic. I was fascinated by the idea that AI would soon reach a stage where something called the singularity would be attained. This was the point at which humans and artificial intelligence would essentially equalize in terms of intelligence, and once that stage was reached, the machine's problem-solving skills would explode exponentially and usurp man's usefulness, making man the servant of machines rather than the other way around, as is presently the case. I've given a very simplified view of the arguments that people like Ray Kurzweil make, but there are many philosophical implications of the singularity theory, as well as technological ones, which made it an intriguing topic for me to explore as I've long had an interest in psychology and philosophy, although I'm no expert in either. You'll be hearing me point that out a lot, dear reader. I'm not an expert in much and spend quite a lot of my time in front of the brick wall of my own stupidity and then find myself having to turn around and head back to where I last knew my way and try to pick up the path again so I can re resume my journey along the route of exploration I had originally intended to travel. Some so-called conspiracy channels cover the topic in short news segments, and many other topics, many of which related to the evil Illuminati cabal, since AI was seen as part of the plan to exploit humans as a slave class for the elites, and the singularity once reached would be another step closer to completing the boiling the frog process that would allow the elites to enslave us forever as we would be surplus to their requirements once the plan had all its elements in place. The pot's heat was constantly being turned up under the slowly boiling frog, us, with globalization policies like the UN's Agenda 21 plan being used to cook us without our ever wanting to jump out of the pot. Truther channels were part of the resistance to the implementation of this plan and red-pilled their viewers by showing some of the horrors in store for us, as well as opening our eyes to those already perpetrated upon us, like the GMO food, pharmaceuticals and fluoride that were artificially created and foisted on us to poison our bodies and minds and reduce us to a level where we would not be able to think clearly enough to ever have a hope of escaping the fate of the FEMA camps that awaited us before the final step, extinction of most or perhaps all of the population by the cabal. 
Q arrived into this mix through the decoder Gerald Cross, who became a regular guest on a popular show, with slots of about 10 or 15 minutes daily being devoted to the topic of the Q drops, the supposedly coded high-level secret intelligence drops by Q, originally known as the Q Clearance Patriot. With drops being posted and discussed almost daily, creating quite a stir in the American Patriot and truther end of YouTube. My investigations into the AI topic had me looking at videos on a guy called Michael Quinn's YouTube channel, many of which related to my interest. And his videos brought up another YouTuber in my feed. This YouTuber would have a huge part to play in the story I tell, though I had no idea she would lead me later to cross paths with Q. In fact, she was something of an unwitting matchmaker, bringing us into contact because it turned out, strangely, that we were both viewers of her channel. Later, she played the role of a kind of disapproving escort to us at a dance, who got between us while we waltzed and tried to put us off our stride. However, this is ahead of us. And we aren't in a hurry. So I'll start at the beginning where many good stories start. This elderly lady had a small channel where she posted her thoughts on American politics and the various conspiracy theories affecting all our futures from the comfort of her shabby little apartment in Texas. Her channel was called The Truth Fleet and the first videos I saw of hers were commentaries on Michael Quinn's AI videos, besides which hers came up. On my screen, as the algorithm displayed them there, along with others on the same topic. I watched a few, which were a mixed bag of what she often referred to as her ramblings on a variety of other top topics as well, but which seemed somehow all connected in theme and was soon hooked. Many like myself seemed to enjoy her homespun style on the smallish channel, charming in its lack of sophistication and for the odd connections she made between things that didn't really seem to be connected at all, at least before she had worked her weird magic over the course of a ramble. By the end of the ramble with her, she had persuaded you they might well be connected after all, perhaps partly through the force of her own conviction and the various twists and turns of the logic she brought you through during the hour or so it took to tie the ideas together. You were often left with the impression afterwards that it had all come adrift at some point when you realised where her journey had ended up. But it was hard enough to remember where or how exactly it had started to drift off course, let alone see any land in the distance. It hurt your head to even think about some of the misunderstandings and misconnections she made, thinking about what she'd said afterwards. And once you'd gotten over your initial surprise at how many of these misunderstandings there were packed into each show, you began to enjoy where she would bring you next in the illogical maze that somehow took you right out to sea. I found it delightful. Indeed, this sort of quirkier, offbeat content I found to be one of the most enjoyable aspects of viewer-created content that a free-to-use platform like YouTube allows for as one can feel a personal bond with ordinary people that perhaps is missing to some extent in other larger channels, 
which have thousands of viewers and are sleekly produced by rather generic looking people. I much preferred her shabby flat and her missing teeth, with a few on the lower mandible still clinging on for dear life, with one stubbornly continuing to grow longer daily, as being much more authentic than some of the polished and plastic performances that went with the top trending topics. There were acres of makeup tutorials to be browsed there and gossip about celebrities seeming to get the top spots all going round and around in YouTube's carousel of best performing algorithms. Many smaller channels claimed these were tightly manipulated by Google so that their own content would not be seen and the truth about the Illuminati cabal would not get out. An advantage to viewing a small channel is the fact that, as well as having a comment area where, if you have a YouTube account of your own activated, you can comment and receive replies to your comment from other commenters or the channel owner, you can also take part in live streams by typing your comments into the chat area while the live stream is running. This means that you are able to ask questions of the channel owner or interact with others in the chat, and a conversation of sorts can be had. Desiree, who ran the Truth Fleet channel single-handedly from her cosy apartment, liked to say she was inviting people into her living room, and I have often heard her subscribers refer to themselves in a rather pleased way as the family. At this time, as you can gather, I was regularly watching several small channels. And because I had signed up for a YouTube account, I was able to see the chat area appear to the right of videos during live streams. This allowed me to see what people were saying in comments and jump in myself whenever I wanted to ask a question or talk to others in the chat. However, on a big channel like InfoPill, for example, the chat tended to scroll down very quickly as there could be hundreds of people chatting away. And it wasn't possible to ask any of the station's hosts questions because your question would be gone so quickly or because they weren't interacting at all with people in chat. When I had questions or comments about the AI topic, for example, as a result of the speed at which the chat area was moving, you had little hope of even get, getting a reply from people in chat. Despite the fact that I found from watching others in chat, that if you wanted to talk to a particular person, you could type the name in along with your chat comment and their name would be highlighted in orange so that they could see it easier in the hectic movement as the chat kept scrolling away. Commenting on their videos produced more responses. Here you could post a new comment or reply to an existing comment. The original poster of the comment would receive a notification of your reply and might have something more to add. I began to comment occasionally when someone posted a comment on a topic that interested me or I wanted to add something to what they'd already said. Sometimes I got replies. However, the short form nature of the medium with most of the comments and replies kept to a few sentences or under tended to produce little in the way of lively debate. I suppose I could have looked for forums elsewhere on the internet to discuss individual topics at length with people. But I found that hopping around channels to watch related videos seemed sufficient to keep me fed with enough new information based on my interests to spur new ideas in my mind.
and provide me with a starting point for new avenues of research online, which I enjoyed in the way that some people enjoy puzzles to keep their mind active. YouTube can be a good research tool when used wisely, with the caveat being that one must realise its limitations. I had done research in an academic environment through several courses of study in the area of digital and social media, which I taught sometimes as well as art subjects. And I knew that the quality of research was as important as the quantity. One could spend all day on YouTube as a researcher of sorts. There were many in the truth community of YouTube who considered themselves researchers that would not have passed a research module on a college course. Because what often passed as research on the tube wouldn't have met the research criteria used in academia. Alec Johnson at InfoPill liked to cite his sources, which I liked, because I could go off and have a bit of a read later if I was in the mood, not having to bother if I wasn't, since anything that could be called research that I did at the time, I did strictly as a hobby, just out of interest in topics and just to keep my brain ticking over. Alex's studio cameras were regularly aimed at close-ups of printouts on his desk as he read excerpts from underlined articles from online publications such as the Drudge Report and Breitbart News, which Trump's chief strategist Steve Bannon ran, jabbing his fingers at the highlighted sections and excitedly telling you about how the global elites were running your life for you in a voice quite hoarse from non-stop talking and shouting almost around the clock on his 24-hour news show. The conservative online journals he quoted tended to overwhelmingly be the preferred sources for news for various right or what is often known as alt-right patriots rather than mainstream media journals, because these being owned by big corporations were seen as the propaganda vehicles for the global cabal. It is ironic then that Alec Johnson, who spent so much time showing his viewers the Illuminati all-seeing eye symbol on their dollar bills and explaining the various ways the elite mocked the American public with its Hollywood productions and music industry figures like Madonna flaunted their cabal affiliations around the stage as she cavorted dressed as Baphomet at the Super Bowl halftime show, would himself be regarded by many as a shill for the deep state, a disinfo agent paid by the elite to sow and grow division and discontent in the American public, with the media company he broadcasted his YouTube shows from being owned by a huge mainstream corporation. Many channels on YouTube would, at one time or another, be accused of shilling for the agents of the deep state, putting out disinformation with the intention being to cloud or obscure the truth through sowing the seeds of confusion among viewers of the various alt-right channels. The truth movement has gone through many mini crises, but there is a persistent air of suspicion and distrust that has been generated in part by some of the narratives that have been presented as true, which later turned out not to be so. I started to notice then that Gerald Cross was turning up on a few smaller truther shows as a guest as well to talk about the mysterious Patriot with the special clearance called Q 
And Zira sometimes talked about Q as well when I first found her, as I hung around a while after she dropped the AI topic. Q, I learned from Desire, was being talked about on other channels increasingly, and her favourite source of information was a guy called Colonel Ray Peters. His show was known as the Colonel Ray Exposé. Desire seemed to have something of a crush on the dapper Ray, a retired US Army officer, who was also, she told us in her videos, an excommunicated Mormon polygamist who once had four wives, a revelation which caused some of our Catholic subscribers a little outrage and perhaps some titillation too. Desire, as with many alt-right truthers, was a Christian and spoke frequently about her Catholic beliefs. Indeed, was much admired by the nuns she was taught by, even as a small child. The nuns, she told us, had a pet name, Desire de la Lune, for her based on her habit of going into a trance, which they presumably thought religiously inspired. Her actual name, which she told us was Cajun in origin, was Delacroix, which also seemed quite spiritual, but struck me as quite funny for some reason, in a, in a surreal way. Like a lot of what she talked about and her whole demeanor on her channel. Although no longer a Catholic myself, having grown up in Ireland, where it was the religion of not much choice for so long, I could relate to some of her musings on Catholicism, which included her views on the church generally and her personal crusade to find out who murdered her daughter. The murder was one of the main narratives on the channel, which featured often with Desiree asking our assistants to investigate it. I found her views on the church, however, rather pedestrian and dull, irritating to some extent, as her Sunday readings tended to feature rather dramatic figures like St. Teresa of Avila, the Spanish saint who seemed, like so many fervent Catholics of her time and our own, to enjoy suffering a little too much for my taste. As she read excerpts from St. Teresa's autobiography, I was reminded of the Bernini sculpture that I'd come across in art books as a fine art student in Dublin. St. Teresa was in a swoon of ecstasy as an angel prepared to stab her in the heart with a spear. It's a very fine sculpture, but the message of just how much Teresa enjoyed suffering for its erotic possibilities didn't get discussed by Desiree. And when she spoke of Colonel Ray Peters' videos, it seemed to me to be an extension of the theme of eroticism and religion and her own sexual fantasy life seemed to lurk subliminally in the videos. I suppose you could say that maybe I was the one with the dirty mind. But then she moved on to Sunday readings of St. John of the Cross, and snakes started popping up everywhere in the text, and Desiree seemed to delight in it, regaling her viewers with accounts of how she must defend herself from snakes in her courtyard trying to slime their way into her interior castle. And the metaphor seemed rather erotic as well. Clearly, though in her mid-60s, Ms. Delacroix was, like Miss Jean Brodie, a woman still very much in her prime. I hiked over to Colonel Ray Peters' channel to have a look at the object of Desiree's affections and found that many of the things she liked about him were among his most hilarious qualities. 
Desiree and Ray, I thought, would make a lovely couple. She with her silver bun tied neatly high on her head, he with his reddish, neatly combed toupee, both of a similar age with a similar interest in Q and religion, both spiritually fully attired in the armour of God. Decent, upright people with some very wacky ideas about the spiritual war that was going on for America. Like Desiree, with her sweet, rather toothless smile, she still had a plaque encrusted top row, Ray had his own brand of charm, a red toupee-haired gent, smart casually dressed in jaunty shirts that must have come in packs with coordinating ties to judge by the range of colour combos tactically employed. Sometimes the military snazziness veered towards the floral at times, while still keeping a vague military air in khaki colours with pockets, and he presented his videos like a general, standing in front of a wall with a map on it, with his little pointer ready. He seemed a kind of counterpoint or matching bookend to Desiree, who had a virgin of Guadalupe rug on the wall behind her for her operation. She once did a video about this hanging, which never mentioned the huge vaginally shaped motif the Virgin emerged from, instead focusing on the miraculous properties and legends associated with the image. Ray was an excited man, focusing purely on Q's drops in relation to Donald Trump's plan to save the world from the evil cabal. He acted as the decoder to Q drops, for enthusiastic viewers who wanted to learn to discern, a phrase that Desiree also started using in her videos. Indeed, it was her urging viewers to learn to discern on such a regular basis in the videos she put out daily that started me researching her personal murder mystery story, which I found more interesting by far than anything either she or Ray Peters said about Kill and his Forp Chan posts. I soon became interested enough in this mystery of her daughter's murder that I began to research it and instead found myself out at sea writing about Desiree's life story, which turned out to be terribly interesting. So did Q's story, after all, as he and myself started coming into alignment with each other, like wandering stars finding each other on her channel.